folks. I'm Mary Byler and I'm hosting an episode of Disobedient Women and we kind of thought it would be fun to talk about church cleaning. So I have here with me today Sarah. Sarah is an ex-Amish person that I used to actually know when I was Amish we met um, and Misty. Misty Griffin is the author of Tears of the Silence. Say hi everybody. Hello hello. Hi everybody. How y'all doing? Uh, I'm doing good. Yeah? I'm on my porch, so. <laughs> you know, and happy Mother's Day to all the people who don't really have mothers. I hope you find some joy in today and somebody shows you some kind of mothering, even if it's yourself. Yeah, happy um, Mother's Day to everybody. Happy Mother's Day. Yay! <laughs> so, anyways... So when we talk about church cleaning, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Mm. <laughs> Scrubbing baseboards? I don't know. That always seemed to be my job. <laughs> the first thing that hops in my mind. Scrubbing baseboards? Yeah. Hmm. Corners of the, of the wall and the floor. They didn't have baseboards. Oh, yeah. What type of baseboards did you have in your homes? Um, some of the people were allowed to move into English homes, so they would just take out like the electricity and stuff. So they would have like real, like regular baseboards. And then if they just built the home, you know, they didn't have baseboards, so we just scrub the, you know, the where the wall and the floor meets for the toothbrush. See, like, what about you, Sarah? What type of baseboards did you have? And what comes to mind? Um, we actually had, like, because there's so many kids. <laughs> Don't want to do a spoiler, do we? <laughs> <laughs> I mean. <laughs> um, we, we had, like, the OSB on the bottom, like, actual OSB plywood that we, like, stained and, uh, like, I don't know how Finished? to explain it. Finished off, like, yeah. There you was go. Was it like a wood finish or was it painted? No, it was. It had like a wood look to it, like a you know, finish it off, and then that was like the bottom. It was an OSB. It was like a plywood or whatever it is. Um, it maybe didn't look like. like a, go maybe ahead. like one by a one by four or something like that. No, it was an actual four by eight sheet, or like oh, a three wow. by eight. Yeah, like, and then we put that along the bottom because, like, with so many kids. You'd be breaking the drywall all the time. So we had to do something oh, to protect it. So it was yeah. like, you know, so we had like that along the, like the, it was like three, four feet wide, whatever on the bottom. I saw that. Yeah. In different places. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, yeah. Hi, Sin. Um, so what comes to mind when you, when you think about the term church cleaning, how'd that go? Term church cleaning. There's a lot that comes to mind when, when I hear that because, Oh my gosh, there's so much to say about it. Because of like the, you, you know, I don't know, you have to have everything so darn, you have to do so much cleaning, number one, and then have everything so perfect. When you say perfect, <laughs> like, did you ever feel judged? Like, you know, like people would come to church at your house and they would judge you if there was a speck of dirt left? <laughs> you would think that, that, you would think there was very little judgment, but there's so much judgment. And, Honestly, yes, there's always that fear of being judged. There's always that fear of not it being clean enough. Um, and then on top of it all, you actually hear people talking about it. Where you missed a spot or somebody's house was that dirty or you can't believe that they wouldn't have cleaned that, you know. And 
because it had to be spotless. If it wasn't spotless, you were judged, that's for sure. What about you, Misty? Did you feel judged? Well, I mean, I wasn't married. It wasn't my house, but yeah, I mean, I, I felt bad if, you know, the mom of the house got judged because I think that's usually the person that or the biggest brunt of the judgment. Um, I remember one time these uh, we had church and these ladies started going through the drawers and we had a junk drawer and they opened it and looked inside. And then <laughs> what the what? Yeah, that is and not then, even. Uh, excuse funny. me. They were so nosy. They weren't even family members. They were just from the other side of the community. And then the the mom the Amish mom that had, you know, sort of taken me in, she was so embarrassed after she's like, we should have straightened up the junk drawer. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> like how that's do you... a junk drawer. <laughs> no, everybody has a junk drawer. And my friends still come over and open my junk yeah. drawer and judge me. Like, that's a fact. Like after that, we straightened it up. That was like the last year I was the... there. That's like, not even, <clears throat> no. I wasn't sure how you straighten up a junk drawer. So when I went to do it, I just like, put like i don't know paper together how do you straighten it pencils yeah i don't know i mean like what do you do you just take everything and line it up and think nothing but like it's a junk drawer that's that's what yeah. the whole purpose of the drawer is to catch it's like crayons, pencils papers envelopes i mean whatever we didn't know what to do with we just kind of threw it in there when we were cleaning so then like sunday morning i went in i put like the envelopes the crayons together the pencils i don't know just like wow whatever made it wow. look like it had you know, some sort of attention you got some you, you you know it's it's weird that it's not only just church cleaning though when they when you talk about when we talk about cleaning it's a lot also like everyday cleaning like the routines that they have is insane it's insane i mean yeah wash on monday iron on tuesday Yep. Yep. And you had to clean every, every Saturday. Day. But Saturdays was your cleaning day. Like you had to clean every single room. Yep. You had to mop every Saturday. On and, every and, okay, and even, clean the even, windows. Yeah, your windows had windows. to be sparkling clean yeah. all the time. And if there was dust on the washboards or on top of the door or whatever. And we lived in one of those houses that was an English house, like the last house we live in. And and like the thing about that was is we had like these beautiful, beautiful tiered wood um, washboards. And they were finished. They were wonderful. But... There was talk of like we might have to tear those out because they're too whole. Because you know that could be too much. There, it's too fancy. It's not. Yeah, that's yeah. ridiculous. And and like the judgment thing, like I think it also comes from when you take people and you set them in church for three hours, you know. And and they're trying to stay awake. Like I personally feel like that's part of it. It's like they sit there and they hear this like Brady call um, this minister or or bishop or whatever. They hear all these things and these messages of like cleanliness is godliness. Which don't even get me started on that. Like if cleanliness is godliness, then why can you only take a bath once a week? Or it's like sinful. I I really like oh. that one explained. Your clothes, change your clothes keep, once a week, keep at least talking, in our community. Keep, keep wearing the same dresses. Like, remember wearing the same dresses over and over and over, and it's like, Mary. how is this cleanliness? Oh, my God, Mary. like cleanliness. But you expect oh, the yeah. house to be so clean that you should be able to eat off the floor. And if it's not, mm -hmm. like, if you miss one speck of dirt... Even if it's not your house or like if you just help clean the house in preparation for the church, um, you would feel like kind of judge for that. Like what if it's it's just yeah. unbelievable and unfathomable. You know, Mary, here's the funny thing. OK, you we have like these people that come over to the house. Right. And help us clean before we have church yep. at our house. Right. Yep. But before those people can show up, the house has to be cleaned already. <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm heading oh right now. It, it, no. Oh my no. Here's, here's the thing, though, is like I have learned that one, 
at the end of the day, like your house doesn't have to always be immaculate. But and here's the thing. Like, how do, how do, has it affected us now that we have come out of that? Like, what I'm do we have in our home? I'm and outside. how does it affect us? It you're affects me hugely because... Nobody can see my house. <laughs> you're outside, so nobody can see your house. I'm in the porch. <laughs> Missy, I would never judge your house. I really would never. I wouldn't either. Would you? No. I don't care. No, I'm also trying not to wake up my baby, but some of it is sitting outside. You have this anxiety about like people seeing your house. So, like, here's the oh, thing: yeah. is like I don't have it as often, near as often anymore. But it used to be that if somebody was coming over, I would clean. I would clean furiously, and I would have this like massive anxiety. Like I would do like a whole church cleaning before somebody came over. If I knew somebody was coming, it was like this massive. Like it creates this tension and stress, and there's just wow. Mm -hmm. Did you guys ever do that? I still do it. You still do it? Yeah. Yeah. Me too. On the regular. Yeah. After yeah, my husband said I'm when I was pregnant, like we, we had people coming over. I was up on top of the bookshelf. He's like, Get down from there. What are you doing up there? Yeah. I, I mean I don't know. I, I thought somebody was gonna climb up and look at the top of the bookshelf or what, but yeah. Oh my gosh. Nobody's gonna look at the top of your bookshelf and if they do You never they're, know. They're Something mean land up no. there and they have to get it. No, no if somebody <laughs> Wow <laughs> We have a bunch of comments, but nobody's going to look. I mean, like if people look at the top of your bookshelf and it might be a little bit dusty up there, I'm here to tell you that that right there is on them. If they judge you for that, that's on them. Right. There's nothing wrong with you True. as a mother, as a person, as a homemaker, whatever it is that you do. There's nothing wrong with you. And if they're so, oh, no, I can't go off topic. I want to go off the topic. The funny thing is, is right nobody would do judgment. that. It's I in wanna... my head. <laughs> yeah. If they're so what, Sarah? I said I want to go off topic, but I can't. We got to stay on topic. Well, let's let's talk about the comments. Grandma would have been mortified if someone saw the junk drawer. Well, of course. <laughs> that's that's like the... And why would you go into somebody's house and open the drawers? Like, I know people do it. I've seen people do it. And I just, mm -hmm. like, you don't know them like that. Don't open their drawers. I don't know. It's, yeah. it was like, there's always, like, two super nosy ladies. And from my experience, <laughs> that was the one of those was the one that opened the drawer. They got to have somebody to talk about at the next quilting when they need prayers. I guess. Or after church, you know, they got to have somebody to talk about. Somebody said me too. I'm not sure what that. Oh, the junk drawer. Yeah, mortified. Your house needed clean all the time. Oh, like, did you guys experience that? Like, where any time people could just walk into your home? No way. They, they, if they did, I mean, like, I think there was actually times where people did without knocking, but. In our community, most of them not though. I that would drive me crazy. That would drive me crazy. In yeah. my community, it was considered rude if you had to knock. Like I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like you weren't allowed to lock doors. Like even kids, you know, you weren't allowed to have locked bedroom doors. Like you, people, they said if you need people to knock or if you need to lock doors, then you're hiding something. So, yeah, people would just walk in all the. I don't remember knocking ever really. So where do you learn to establish healthy boundaries in that type of environment, Misty? Oh, there was there wasn't any boundaries. Like my stuff was continually gone through. Like I didn't have any personal. If I wanted something personal, I hid it like far under the mattress, so like it went to the wall on the other side. It still got found. Like I mean, there was no boundaries that I know. Yeah, no, I don't feel like we had a lot of, like, we didn't have, like, healthy boundary setting. That, no, that wasn't learned from my community. I didn't learn that from my community. I learned that after I got out. 
is how to set healthy boundaries for you. And yeah, it's it's kind of crazy though when you think about it. Like I think about this sometimes. It's like, how do you get from living in this environment where there's really no boundaries to like learning how to set boundaries for yourself? I think we all learn them, right? We don't go opening people's doors and houses and stuff. How do you learn these things? I think I learned mine from the mistakes of other people, knowing what I did not want. But yet again, everybody else doing it made me know that I would have hated that. And I do, did the opposite of what I knew that somebody, you know, I think that's the only way I learned boundaries was by that, you know, and I'm really that way. If you tell me like, <clears throat> You want me to go clean something? I'll go clean it. If you tell me, oh, you know, if you don't really want to go clean it or whatever, okay, if I don't want to, I won't. You have to be really straight. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm still that way. Like, if you want something clean, you tell me, I'll do it. But if you just like, oh, you don't have to. Okay, well, then I won't. Yeah. That's just the way I am. I take words for what they are said. I don't, you know, that's, I don't know why I do that, but. I don't, and I think that's where I learned my healthy bond or like how, what I, you know, like if somebody says something, I, you know, just follow those words. I don't know. I got a, I got an interesting theory on where I learned more boundaries. Um, so I had some really wonderful mentors, but then I joined the military. And when I was in the military, I lived in the barracks. There was a certain type of mm-hmm. social structure that was put out by my battle buddies in the barracks by my mentors in the military and they really like one a couple of them really took me under their wing to kind of be like hey like you know you got to do things this way like before you do this you have to do this like this is acceptable this is unacceptable and it's crazy but like that's kind of like I think like I just feel like that really changed like my idea of what is and isn't acceptable yeah yeah, that makes sense, even. That's like, interesting, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I wish, honestly, in a way that I would have had that, because I'm that type of person where, you know, I take, I, I listen, I appreciate people's input. I want to hear, you know, it's straightforward, you know, and that's the way I am. That's, you know, and I give it straightforward. Yeah. Like, you ask me, I will just tell you, I'm sorry. Defense, you don't want, you don't want my opinion, don't want my suggestion, don't ask me. Yeah, but like the other thing is is like i would always rather have somebody tell me like hey like this is something that isn't socially appropriate like there were so many things that i was just mind blown because it was completely socially inappropriate after you know growing up in an amish community and learning all of that society structure and what's acceptable and then going and joining the military and learning this whole other set of rules and all of these things were just completely inappropriate. They didn't align with the, I don't know if y'all have ever heard of the military values of leadership, but like they didn't align with those values. And so the military mm-hmm. kind of replaced some of my values that I inherently had as an Amish person and they transferred and changed to become something else. Hmm. It's crazy, really, when you think about it. And then, of course, all the people that really came by and, like, kind of helped me navigate this whole new world. But anyways, we're really off topic right now. See, Sarah? Look it. This is what we do. Um, Let's talk about the rush to have the first to be. Oh, my God. (laughs) If your clothes weren't out on the line early enough, how judged did you feel? Yeah, we we could see the others. I like guess if the I didn't. Were out first. Yeah. Well, see, we were kind of on our own. You know, the neighbors. We didn't have really close neighbors or anything that we could really see. So that one there wasn't. I don't know. We I don't recall us ever. Oh like, no! Really to rush. Like I recall getting in trouble because we could see the neighbors had their clothes out on the line first. Yeah. We didn't get in trouble, oh God, but we man. raced, like, we would get extra help to get the, the clothes off, like, the, the little girls or whoever was still home from school, have them, like, help us, like, put the laundry and stuff to get it up, but. 
Yeah. Because we could see several. Like we lived in a flat. Mm-hmm. And all of the houses were like toward, sort of towards the this middle here. So you could see all the other houses, the laundry going up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. In order of size. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you had all kinds of just competition right there, just in yeah. judgment. And, you know, because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly that. Which I'm sure probably adds to the anxiety, like the cleaning anxiety. It's really quite ridiculous when you think about it. It shouldn't be a competition in my mind. Like, it's it's not a competition. Well, it becomes really hard, like, for the, the new moms that just had a baby three months old. And they have, I mean, oh my seven God. other ones that are, I mean, the oldest one is eight. I mean, it puts yeah. a lot of strain on that eight-year-old if it's a girl, too. Like, I know one family... Like the Bishop's family, I mean, the the older daughters were like maybe 10, 11. They were doing so much because the mom just had a row of babies, you know. So, I mean, the the little girls, they were washing dishes, mopping floors, like tiny, like mopping the floor. It was just really a lot of stress on the children. You know, when you, um, in my case, like I had a, I had a bulb, which is a doll. Um, I had a bulb and um, when I turned like eight years old, my egg donor took it and burned it in the stove in front of me because I was too old to play with my bulb or have her. What? And, and so yeah. to me, like that kind of lends a whole new meaning to the barefoot and pregnant. Like it's, it's almost like, so you think about it, if they every year have a baby, it's like literally yeah. there's, when is their body having time to even recuperate from having a baby if they're constantly pregnant and, and giving birth and having more babies? Like there's, there's no time for them to even recover from that fully. Not even talking about the women that struggle with postpartum depression and oh my gosh. and the judgment from the community on top of it because oh your my house gosh. is not clean. Yes. You know? Yes. Like it's insane, like what those women go through. I just know I always told myself I was never getting married. <laughs> I have uh, one baby right now. It's like, and I'm thinking of that like, oh my goodness, like how would I? I had one child. It took yeah. years to recover and exactly and the thing is is i did struggle with postpartum depression i ended up having to use some antidepressants for a couple years and it's at the end of the day what's really really sad is like for me my experience was is that my friends did not judge me my my chosen family did not judge me for having postpartum depression they've never judged me for that and, and the difference is, is when you look at like the Amish women that experience that, what, what happens to them? Do they lift a hand and, and kind of try to support them and, and gather around them and, and provide resources and, and appropriate information regarding it? Like it's common to have postpartum depression um, these are things you can do to help you navigate through that. Do they do that? Or do they sit there and pass judgment on them? Do they make everything into a competition? Your house isn't clean enough. The fact that you don't feel like getting out of bed, the fact that you're constantly crying. Oh no, it's that's the topic at the quilting bee. We got to pray for her because she's not cleaning her house. She's not able to get out of bed. She's not... The whole nine yards. It, it honestly, looking back, it just even thinking about that women are still living like that. It really, really makes me sad to think that they could have really so much of a healthier life if they were to know, like, it's okay to struggle. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to, you know, have a messy house. You know, you don't have to be perfect. You know, and. I can't say that I don't, str- I don't have any children, but I can't say that I don't struggle definitely with like saying, oh crap, my house is messy. Like I need to clean this house. Like, especially when someone comes over, like, yeah. oh my gosh. The other day I was like, I'm going, going to leave some dirty dishes there just so somebody can see that 
my house is not perfect, you know, because I don't want people to feel like when they come in here that it's not lived in. You know, somebody brought that point up to me and I was like, you know what, that's so true. Like, I don't want people to feel like they come in here and it's so perfect they can't, that nobody lives here or like it, it's not lived in. And I'm going, oh, man, like, yeah, I need to be OK with it being a little messy. Like, you know, whatever. It's OK. Like, it's not if it's not perfect. Can I share something with you? There's a poem. I don't know who who wrote the poem. I should probably look it up, but it's like dirty dishes. They have a tale to tell. While others may be going hungry, I'm living very well, or we are living very well. And when you think about that in that context, you have food to eat, and therefore you have dirty dishes, and that shows that you're eating. And that's a really, really good thing. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I struggle eating, just, just being able to eat. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, struggle yeah. to eat. I wish I did sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I don't either. <laughs> oh, no. Sometimes I struggle to eat, like, as far as, um, like, having an appetite. Sometimes I really struggle with an appetite to eat. Oh. So, you know, that's another thing that I don't think we've ever hit on, discussed, is the, like, maybe eating disorders that the Amish might have. Oh, you yeah. know, who isn't skinny, so, who is fat, all of that. But I don't know if we want to get into Oh, all that my right God. Now. Well, if you want to talk about, like, the cleaning and the women and all of these things, like the church cleaning, you know. Oh, um, yeah. And when you're cleaning, Mary, oh when my you're God. cleaning, when yeah. you're cleaning, you're not fast enough. Oh, you got to yes. be a certain speed. You can't be slow. And you have to make if it. Then if you're fast and you don't clean it right, then you get judged. If you're slow and you clean it right, you still get judged. Like, like there's, there's no, nothing ever right. It just like, feels like I was ever, slow. Yeah, I, I was, was slow, slow too. That's me. <laughs> I was wait, slow. My sister was slower than me yet. Oh, my gosh. She was yep. slow too. And we would always like be like, oh, come on. Would you just, you know, but yeah. Now but I look back and I'm like, it's okay. Like, who cares how okay. fast or slow you clean? As long as you do it right. And then if you don't even do it right, oh, well, you're helping. You're doing yeah. something. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. absolutely true. But touching upon, like, the eating disorders, I don't know if you guys know this or not. But when I was around 13 or 14, I was the same height that I am now. And I weighed 115 pounds because every time I would eat, I would uh, make myself throw up. And it was partly because of that, that stigma and the fear of like being judged for being fat. Mm -hmm. Especially unmarried girls. Yeah. It was very, very, like who was skinny, who was fat. Like, yeah, it was, it was so unhealthy. And, and I would tell anybody struggling with that, you need medical intervention. Please yeah. go see a doctor. Please get help. Please, please get appropriate help. I'm not talking about going to see an Amish doctor. I'm talking about seeing an actual licensed medical doctor. Thank oh, my you. gosh. Don't get me started. You on deserve help. But, like, part of that was, is, like, so I was really slow cleaning at that time, too. And it was just, like, this... Like, I would get in so much trouble for being slow, for, like, just the way my dresses fit, just everything. Like, it was just awful. Because, like, the other thing is, so you were expected to wear, like, the same dress over and over and over. But if you got it dirty, then you got judged for getting it dirty, too. Like, um, do we talk about B.O.? Oh. (laughs) Go. I, I have a funny story on that. Like my sister was going on um on um the the bus. You know they were taking the bus to um I don't know Missouri or somewhere for a wedding, and the people on the bus complained when her and her um um like adopted Amish family got on the bus. They complained to the front to the driver. They said the Amish in the back they smelled really bad. Like we can't we can't sit there <laughs> back there with them. Like they really said that. So she said that the bus driver said that there was like a, a little bit of room, I don't know, in the front somewhere. And he let them move their things up there because these two people, every like a lot of people are complaining, but these two people really complained in particular. 
So they moved like a little bit towards the front, but yeah, they had people complain that they smelled so. I mean, I can only imagine what they smelled like. Oh my god! Oh my god! Well, so I walk into a Walmart in the town that I'm from, and I walk around the corner and I smell something, and I'm like, "Let me go over here because there's Amish people." I'm sorry, but the body odor is unacceptable. It is just awful. It smells. Now, I want I want people to realize that we're not making fun of them. We're not no. doing doing any of that. We're just simply talking about it as our experiences, what we've been through, and what we we know. Yep. Um, I'm embarrassed to admit that we even took a shower uh, or bath only once a week. I'm embarrassed about that. It's it's. If, but you don't know any different. Unless you, don't, you, you know, you, you don't, don't know because better. that's what you were taught. So people, I don't want people to think that we're sitting here making fun of them because we're not. No. This is a serious issue. It's just we need to bring awareness to it. You know, right. we need to start, people need to start being aware of it. You know, and if, if somehow, some way we could, you know, make the Amish aware. And it's not, you know, I don't, yeah, I just don't want people to feel like we're making fun of them because we're not. No. Absolutely yeah. not. I do have a funny part of that. Like, so the whole like not taking a bath more than once a week. So when I finally got out and I could take showers the way that I wanted to, I took four showers a day for like six months because I needed to feel clean. Wow. <laughs> you want to talk about excessive oh, the other way? That I've never heard of. I took one very long one once a day just because it was fun, but <laughs> well, I heard it yeah. four times a day. <laughs> and then you get to use all the water you want. You get to fill the tub up as high as, you know, as much water. You don't have to worry about, oh, do we have enough hot water for everybody? Oh, shoot. Now we have to put more cold water in there and heat it up. <laughs> yeah. 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 No. Oh. Keeping the door locked, playing it was okay for people to just come over and show up. Ah, we used to go to Noah's daughter's house and just walk in. Yeah, that's that's exactly what we were talking about. Thank you for sharing. Huh? So I have a question. Did your communities practice this whole thing where they would send an unmarried youth girl to go help the mother of a newborn child for like six weeks? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes I did depending on, yeah. Otherwise, the sister of the family usually would go. Mm-hmm. And how do? You, what are your thoughts on that? Like, because you send that unmarried young girl to go like work on these things, like basically do all this stuff that it's like a, an exchange for labor, right? But as far as like them being able to kind of take over all the duties of the mother, it's kind of crazy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the mother of a 13 year old. Okay. And, and I think about like that, like they're about to be 14 and, and I think about that and I'm just like, you know, sometimes they would send like the sister as young as like 14 to go do all this stuff. And at the end of the day, like, I, I just can't, I can't wrap my brain around that. Like it's, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that to my child. You know, I got sent one time to a different state um, to help somebody. And it was to try to teach me a lesson because I was unruly and disobedient at home and, you know, things like that. Um, To say the least, I got very homesick. I lasted four days. Because all I did was cry. And I was no good. I was so true. I, I mean, it was so traumatic for me. Yeah. How old were know. you? Um, maybe 15, 16. I don't remember. Oh, my God. 15, something like that. I'm not sure. But I was very, I was always so scared to go to other places. So that was, all, that's always been me. I, I struggle with the anxiety of, 
being around people in the first place and then going into a strange, like if I, I struggle with the unknown, like not knowing what I'm getting into the unexpected and things like that. And that was one of the hardest things, you know, was to go there and yeah. And their kids apparently loved me and they would follow me everywhere. And that would just make it so much harder because I needed space and I couldn't, find, you know, I couldn't get my space and I was supposed to be working. And yet again, I couldn't because of like, I was all emotional and bawling my eyes out. And like I said, it lasted four days. Well, then the other thing is, is like, did it feel completely overwhelming because you're expected to kind of mother these children and, you know, do all the cleaning and do all the, the housework and make all the meals and, you know, just kind of take over? Like, did that feel overwhelming? Well, yeah, because you didn't know. I didn't know. Like I said, I'm I'm the type of person where you have to be direct and say what you want. Mm hmm. And if you're not, then what, what do you expect from me? Well, then that drives me crazy because I'm like, well, I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing enough. I'm, I know I'm supposed to be, should be doing something, but what am I supposed to be doing? You know, that type of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's very overwhelming because you don't know, you know, and great. They were great. Granted, they were great people. They were very understanding, very kind. It was not like they were abusive towards me or like anything, you know, any, mm -hmm. any of that happened. It was just the idea of, you know, I was just so afraid. I was just so scared that I couldn't even focus. I couldn't do anything. You know, I got, I was super emotional and, you know. Yeah. That's really sad. I'm so sorry that happened to you. <sighs> I'm anyway, glad you're not on. there anymore. No, th huh? no such thing. I'm glad you're not there anymore. Um, no such thing as depression from one of our viewers and, um, it's sin. Would you all agree with that? No such thing as depression. It's yeah. Sin. I think that was when we were talking about the postpartum depression. I, I don't know. Because what do they say when an Amish? Laziness, you can't, you know, you get judged for like, because it's, oh no, my it's God. a mental illness. Mary, it's, it's judged as a mental illness. You're, you're mental. You're, you're yeah. naffy. Naffy, dubish naffy, which means like you're kind of crazy. Right. Basically, you're kind of crazy. And if you prayed hard enough and you believed hard enough and you followed the pure path that the church has decided that you have to follow, it wouldn't happen to you and it would not exist. And it's all in your head. It's all yeah. in your head. Man. And, and you're just your you're just imagining it anyways. And also like so. Did you did y'all ever experience an Amish person committing suicide and the rumors around that? Oh my goodness, the judgment passed on that person that committed suicide is just awful. It's like you don't understand. Like you, you one, it's a mental illness. Two, they needed help from a licensed professional who is accredited, who is qualified to help them. And when I what I mean by that is saying like don't send them over to like Rest Haven, Indiana, I, any of those facilities. What I mean by that is take them to a qualified professional that works with people that have experience with trauma and mental health disorders. And they actually went to school for this. This is what their job is. Don't send them to a minister for counseling or the bishop for counseling. Like that is extremely harmful because they perpetuate the ideas of if you didn't, if you didn't truly want this to happen, it wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And that you can just pray away the depression that you're struggling with. You know that people that go to the some of the therapy places in the Amish, after they leave, they commit suicide because they don't get the help they deserve. And they they're may not. Also, yeah, they're also made to feel bad a lot of times that they're there, that it, they're doing something wrong to cause it. Yeah. So it just makes it worse. If they are with a narcissistic husband, they are told to that they chose that life. That's what they married. That's mm -hmm. what they have to live by. You chose this, okay? And then they send them to this place, and these people make them believe that it is their fault. And then they report back to the husband, and the husbands uh, do the same thing, or go back to their narcissistic way. They did no wrong. 
What about like these girls that get sent there or these boys? They, yeah, this is huge stuff. This is huge stuff that needs to be talked yeah. about, and people need to understand that mental illness is a real serious thing, and it's okay, like, to go and get professional help, and it's okay to start speaking up for yourself. You know, standing up for yourself. It's okay to speak up about what's going on in your life. It's okay to, but find a safe person to do so. Don't find your, you know, if you're in the Amish community or anywhere and you know that there's abuse going on or anything, please, please reach out to somebody that you know is safe. Find yep. Yep. I would agree find with a safe that. person and get help that you need. Yep. Absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. I would also say to you, if you are struggling with depression, anxiety, PTSD, suicidal thoughts, you deserve to have professional help. Please call the hotline for National Suicide Hotline, or there's all kinds of hotlines that you can find if you Google it. Um, you can Google the numbers and you can call them and they will talk to you. And it's free. Please. Even... Even in the United States, you call 211. There's mm -hmm. that one, number two, you can call. There's 741, 741, you can text. Mm -hmm. um, those are some numbers that you can reach out to um, to get help. Even if you just need to talk, like they will, they will talk to you. Um, and they will help okay. you, you know, if, if you can, like they will help you like just process through that that crisis stage because when you're having suicidal thoughts and all of that like that's a crisis and you deserve to have professional help I promise you you deserve to have professional help not only do you deserve to have professional help but you deserve to have a good life and be able to have somebody there that you can trust to get you through these times like you don't have to do this alone you don't you, you really don't. And if you start talking to somebody that you think is safe and they start saying things that make you feel even worse, just please don't. Go find somebody else to talk to. And the reason I say that is some people have, may have good intentions, but when it comes down to it, they may be saying things from an uninformed place. And... Mm -hmm you might be better off going and finding somebody else that will support you, that will have compassion and empathy for you and provide that a will listen. That will yeah. listen and actually hear you and know that just because you're having these feelings and these emotions and this is real, um, it is real. It, it is, is not something that you're making up. This is real stuff that needs to be addressed, you know, and it's okay. It's okay mm -hmm. to be, not be okay, you know, but do reach out. You know, that's my thing is, you know, I, I personally have struggled with depression and anxiety and suicide and all of that. So, I mean, this is, it's not an easy process. So if anybody, you know, yep. needs help, please reach out. It's okay to reach out and it's okay to say that you're struggling. Yep. 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 Anyways, how did we get on that? But that was good. Oh, because like we were talking about women in postpartum depression and, and yeah. there's no such thing as that. It's sin. It's yeah. Um, yeah. So sin said, this is what I was told is that it was, there's no such thing as sin. Okay. So the, the girls being sent out is a maid. Oh, hey, look. Charity sends an unmarried to help mothers. It's unpaid labor and it opens areas where many young girls are abused and taken advantage of. This mm -hmm. is extremely true. Yeah. Yep. It really does. Thank you, Chris. Too emotional. Oh yes. You're just that's, too emotional. That's what my my community, they called it emotional problems. I was labeled <laughs> with, I had emotional problems. My sister still writes it in letters. She said, did you ever get help for your emotional problems? <laughs> because I was talking about stuff I shouldn't. So I, and I couldn't get over it that, you know, these people need help or they're being abused or whatever. So it was just emotional problems because, you know, I should just get over it and stop talking about it. So. Well, my community is 
to my understanding, still labels me as, quote, unforgiving. I'm, I'm unforgiving because I talk about the horror that I lived through. Yeah. The first 19 years of my life. I'm open about that, so that makes me unforgiving. I disagree with that, but that's a topic for another day. The English world is either uninformed or turns a blind eye to the dysfunctional nature of Amish life. Would you agree or disagree with that? And thank I you, Kevin. agree. Agree. I agree to both. I just had I an incident. Sorry, go ahead, Misty. Oh no, go ahead. I'm just saying I think I think it's both of those things. I agree. I, I agree. I think it's I, I think it's both. So what did you have, Sarah? They definitely turn a blind eye to everything um, that they know because there's people that knew about what was going on in our home outside of the Amish community. Not aware it was said. Yeah. Same. You know. Same. Yep. 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 They knew or suspected and they did nothing. So I urge you, if you live around an Amish community and you know or suspect that there is abuse going on, please report it to the authorities so it can be investigated. Mm-hmm. And to the authorities, please investigate these reports. Yes. Appropriately. And if you yeah. have trouble um, with, like, you need help translating, please reach out. There are people out there that will help you. I promise you, there are people that will help you that were born plain and born Amish who will help you translate. One of these times we got to do like a whole thing on like the um, language barriers, the differences, what words mean, what, you know, certain mm-hmm. stuff, all of that means. Because there's a big language barrier in here. There's a, a huge language barrier. Yeah huge when it comes to especially when it comes to investigations and abuse and all of that huge language barrier well, not only that but like you know there there can be a victim intimidation that is never seen by the outside people like they don't understand like how bad the victim intimidation is and like yeah. the dumb threats like some of the threats that i heard were like i'll kill myself and then i'll never go to heaven and to me, that was a threat because I was a child. Right. Or it was like, I'll run away and you'll never see me again. And again, that was a threat. And as an adult, I see the ridic- like the just ridiculousness of those threats. But as a child, that was an awful threat. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you're afraid of like what you heard when somebody dies, when they kill themselves and all of that. Yeah. You know, so... And that's another thing they really implant in you is fear. What if, well, what if this, what if that, you know, it's it's all of the what ifs. It's not like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Would would y'all agree that the English, the Amish Mennonite life is ideal, idyllic? Yeah. Except for the ones that live like right next to them. Maybe right next to them. (laughs) If they see, yeah, yeah, but like those who live a bit farther out, definitely. Like I hear all the time, I would love to be Amish. You know, if I ever happen to accidentally bring it up, oh, I would love to be Amish. I wish I could be Amish. Oh my god, I wish I could find myself an Amish stud. Like I hear that. Well, and I gotta point this out too. There's also people. um, So throughout my life, I've made it my mission to kind of never be silent. And so people that I come in contact with in real life, like, I love it when somebody comes up to me and starts talking about how they would love to be Amish. And I'm like, oh, I challenge you. And why? I challenge you to go Google the dark side of the Amish. I challenge you to Google Misty Griffin, um, Liz Hirschberger, um, a better way, um, the Plain People's podcast. I challenge you to go actually learn what people have to say that came out of the community, and then mm-hmm. you can talk to me. Until then, we're not having a conversation about the Amish. Right. And you, and you know what happens more often than not is like either these people never talk to me again, or they yeah. come back and they genuinely apologize because they did not know any better, and all they saw was what the media. And 
TV programs and whatever glorification of the Amish that was out there that puts them on this pedestal where they can do no wrong. They're these peaceful, nonviolent, Anabaptist, conscientious objectors. And I'm not saying there's not some who aren't that. What I'm saying is there are some very bad people that live inside these communities who commit horrendous crimes over decades and get away with it because the church protects them. Yeah. And the outside community protects them because of that image. Yeah. Well, and a lot of people think, well, their kids are so well behaved and all of this and that. Well, in a granite, like if you live so isolated, yeah. if you are so isolated, you don't think about making any kind of ruckus because this is a treat for you to go out and do some shopping. This is a treat for you. You earned this somehow, some way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so people need to realize that. Well, and not only that, but what about the if you cause a ruckus when you go out and you get home and you get beat with a rubber hose, like a garden right. hose, or right. like, you know, a big tug, or like a chain, or like a hacksaw, or, you know, the list goes on and on and on and on. But that's that's part of it, is people don't understand that these children, these children often are acting from a place of fear. You know... I got to tell you a funny story. One time I went shopping with my mom. We were in the store and this song came on. And I love this song. What do I do? I start, you know, t- bouncing to the song. My mom's like, stop it. Everybody's looking at us. Blah, blah, blah. Like she was going, oh, <laughs> I was so excited. I love this song, you know? Oh my God. Like, You're embarrassing. Everybody's staring at us. Blah, blah, blah. You're not supposed to show joy. Right. But now you get to show joy. I challenge I you to show mean. joy. Yes, be you. Yep. You know, I, I always say people. Some people like me, some don't. Oh well, that's oh, life now. Well. <clears throat> the authorities are afraid to interfere with religious affairs. Well, the Amish are more than a business, Stefan. They are a brand. Be- I mean, a church. Sorry, they are a business and a church. They operate under the guise of a religion because it gives them protection. They very closely and in collaboration with media outlets in the United States are very carefully monitoring what is put out about them, which is why you won't see any of the stories of abuse on like the major media outlets. This is exactly why, because it's a branding tactic. They're not just a religion. They hide under the guise of being a religion. Yeah. Oh, well, here's a question. So with all that cleaning, how do you think COVID is affecting their cleaning? Their church mm-hmm. cleanings. How, how do you think that's affecting their church cleanings? Why would it affect anything? They don't go by any rules. The rules don't that's apply to me. I'm Amish. It's right. against my religion, right? My sister wrote me. She says that they think they've all had it. Like she said, they went to um, forget what it was. Something school. Something. It was like in um, I guess Christmas time. The school. I the forget school what they call program. It. The school yeah. program at Christmas time. Yeah, and she said that they all had. She says she said we didn't get tested. Of course, they didn't get tested. But she said um, I suspect we all had it. We were very sick. We had all the symptoms. Like the whole community sounds like so. Wow. Yeah, I mean, maybe yeah, they're all new now. I don't know. That seems, because they were really sick. That seems pretty barbaric, like survival of the fittest. Yeah. I was, that's one thing I was wondering, like, are so are they dying? Like, I don't hear of any. But, I mean, my sister wouldn't tell me if, like, 50 people of in her community I, I don't know. I have no idea. Nobody or, would tell me. I looked, like I looked, I can't find anything saying, you know, this community suffered 100 deaths or whatever. I can't find anything. And I know my sister's not going to tell me even if I ask her. So there's no point. Well, know. and the other thing is, is even if they wore masks, would it be like their dresses and you're supposed to wear them like five days in a row? No. What color would they be? Blue, green. Oh, green pink. is a horrendous color, and no pink, no. Um, I was allowed to wear my nice green. We were not allowed to have green. I, had a, green? I had a nice grass green one. That was I lived in a community 
in Pennsylvania where we were not allowed to wear green. And that's weird. And even in like the community, like the community I left from uh, in Vernon County, Wisconsin, like we weren't allowed to have green coptica headscarves. We weren't allowed to have, have that. Really? No. That's I have that's... I had a mint mint green one. Oh, Sarah. Whoo! <clears throat> and then on top of that, you know our coats that we wore Sunday nights, you know, is mm -hmm. like with nice green, you know, nice green lining. Oh my we had great green lining, yeah. But yet again, we weren't in a we weren't in one of those like really fancy high communities, really though. There's a lot more that yeah. yeah. Do you think the budget? In our, uh, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say in our community, olive green was banned, like this color green, because it was um, worn by like it was a, like a really nice color on the outside. So we were allowed to wear like hunter, like dark, dark green. Not green. <laughs> well, I guess you're a little disobedient today, huh? Yeah, I just now thought of that. Wow. <laughs> Well, I'm sure they wouldn't approve of, like, this shirt. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. No? No? Too pretty? Nah. Colorful? Too many colors. Too many, Too many colors. colors. Oh, boy. And Sarah's, well, that's just, oh, my gosh. This is, what? like, yeah, this is just bad. There's no way. You can't have any kind of patterns. No, I have to be and not only do you have patterns, color. you have pink and red on there. You know. I yeah, just, you Jezebel, know. Jezebel wore purple and the robes, and then she fell or was pushed from the thing, and then the dogs ate everything of her, except her hands. You and know that, right? And she painted her face first, yeah. You never heard that? They never told you that? They used to preach about that. I don't I don't they didn't eat Mary. the What? Right. If they preached about that, do you know how little I paid attention to that stuff? Very little. <laughs> I joined the church and I had no clue what I was doing. To this wow. day, I do not remember what it was about. Like, I mean, <laughs> I know the concept of it now, but at the time I had no clue. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's funny. So anyways... That's what they used to tell me about those colors, by the way. So yeah. I don't know that the budget may or may not report deaths, Rhea. I don't know. Do any of you know? And for those of you not familiar, the budget is a very popular Amish magazine. And then what's wrong with green? I don't know. Do y'all know? What's wrong with green? Why can we... What, like okay we have three different variations of the green like one you're allowed to wear green and the other one it's only this color of green and the other one you're not allowed to and so, just right there goes to show you it's man-made rules yeah Ooh. oh mary jane says hi sarah hi mary fantastic being worldly and flirting with the devil well, well, well. And on that note, do y'all have any parting thoughts for anybody who may be struggling with anxiety, depression, postpartum depression, inside or outside of the communities? I would just say would seek just... professional help, not, you know, somebody that's been trained and licensed to help you with this. Because, I mean, those are the ones that can help you. You know, everybody else just has their own ideas of what can help you, and they all vary, so. And it may not be helpful for you. Yeah, yeah. most likely it's not going to be helpful. What about you, I, Sarah? I, I would say, you know, find somebody that really you can trust and believes in you. Um, somebody that is really going to show you that they care, and they're willing to help you find the resources that you need, um, the true, honest resources um, not just like, I don't know. I, I would just say reach out. Don't be afraid to reach out. And it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to reach out to somebody. You know, I, I will honestly say if you want to reach out to me, 
on Facebook or wherever, I don't, I, I'm willing to, uh, you know, you're, you're welcome to reach out to me. I'm willing to talk and give you resources and help you as much as I can, even, you know. Well, I want to thank both Misty and Sarah for joining me here today. And I also want to put out this, like Sarah said earlier, just because you struggle doesn't mean you don't deserve a good life. It doesn't mean that you will always struggle like this. If you find appropriate resources and support, which you do deserve, you also deserve to have a good life. And on that note, happy Mother's Day, everyone. Have a good Sunday.